This is Tatum Talks with Kelvin Tatum and Ian Brannan, partnered by Maitland Travel Speedway Holidays, the people who can get you to the Grand Prix. Discover their range of Speedway holidays around the world at maitlandtravel.co.uk. to Tatum Talks. I'm Ian Brannan, Calvin Tatum, British Speedway legend and of course lead commentator on Discovery and Eurosport coverage is with us. We're going to review the Grand Prix series over the last few rounds and also touch on the British situation as well uh, as we reach sort of the midway point of the uh, Sports Insure Premiership season in the UK. And we've got a new uh, a new partner with us on board the podcast, Kelvin, in Maitland Travel Speedway Holidays. So we're going to talk more about some of their trips a little later on because they'll take you to some some great places. But uh, great to have uh, Maitland Travel with us now. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, they've got some terrific um, uh, trips coming up. We're grateful for their support. I echo what you've just said. Um, they've got a Grand Prix where they've got a, uh, an organised trip to Riga, which is um, uh, quite a, a vibrant place, actually. It's like a smaller version of Prague. It's history, it's uh, social life. It's, uh, it's a real place that, uh, as I say, I've been there two or three times and I, I very much enjoyed it, to be perfectly honest. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, people that sign up for that trip should be um, uh, in for quite a treat, you know, it's a double header, but also you've got the history of the town and you can explore there. So, yeah, um, I'm sure it'll be a smashing, smashing weekend for, for Panthers. Yeah, we're going to hear more about Riga and also some of Kelvin's trips to Riga in the past. Of course, it's the first time they had a Grand Prix there, uh, but of course, um, Kelvin's been there a few times. Uh, we'll talk more about that uh, shortly and some of the other trips you can get from Maitland Travel uh, as we go through this podcast. Um, right now, though, we're going to start our look back at the last few rounds of the Speedway Grand Prix. And uh, we've got three rounds to catch up on, actually, Kelv. And we'll go back to Prague, uh, first of all. Now, Prague was a rare occurrence in that Bartosz Schmarschlik didn't actually get himself on the podium at that Grand Prix. However, top step at Prague was Martin Vashlik, who, who came through there and... Uh, blasted through to the final, got himself a win in the Speedway Grand Prix and uh, quite quite an event and quite an occasion for Martin Vashelik. Yeah, an emotional time for Martin Vashelik because it's his adopted Grand Prix effectively because he lives next door in Slovakia. Uh, and to win it back to back, I think is extra special for him. So, you know, and I sense that uh, there was a real determination about him and, you know, there would have been a weight of expectation coming on, last year's winner coming in, a lot of support, family, friends all around. So credit to him to come uh, through in flying colours there and win the Grand Prix. Um, and that sort of rocketed him up to actually fourth in the championship at the, at, uh, after that Grand Prix. Funnily enough, the, the Prague Grand Prix last year was cold, wet, difficult weekend for everybody. This year, the ac- absolute opposite, beautiful weather, Great track conditions, and the racing was quite possibly one of the better Grand Prix I've seen there. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really good weekend, and I just think that Martin Vasilik deserves a lot of credit for that win. Uh, it was good to see Leon Madsen begin to find his feet after a difficult start. You know, he finished second on the night, um, and that was much more like it from him. Um, a lot of talk from Madsen pre-season about how he was going to take it to Smarslik. It didn't materialise. His league form was good, Grand Prix form 
not so good. So all of a sudden, that was uh, much more like it from him. And of course, it was you know the first um, signs that Jack Holder was beginning to find his feet well and truly at Grand Prix level. So. Um, no, I really enjoyed the weekend, had an opportunity to go for a meal and just have a bit of a look around the town square. Um, Prague is a smashing place, so um, thoroughly enjoyed the weekend. Here's a question for you. In British Speedway, is Jack Holder getting the credit he deserves on the international stage? He's currently sitting, at the time of recording this, as, as the world number two. Um a couple of events have happened in, in British Speedway, particularly, let's say, the Premiership pairs not so long back. Um, he was taking part in that. But all the focus was on the fact that Laguta and Doyle and Saifutinov were not there. And of course, there's only one Grand Prix rider among those three, and that's Jason Doyle. But there, there didn't seem to be the excitement that, that the current world number two was riding in, in Jack Holder. He's going about his business quite quietly, I think, and maybe under the radar. But is he getting the credit he deserves? Oh, it's a good point, actually. I, I think he does go under the radar. I don't think that um, people tend to sort of focus on him. I think that um, he's a new boy. I, he has, you know, I think last year he sort of struggled at times. I think his form was up and down. He showed glimpses, but I think um, when I say show glimpses, I mean he was outstanding in the Speedway of Nations. Um, where Australia won, of course, and I think that just showed us that he has the ability and the composure to do it at the highest level. I think if he keeps doing this, it, he won't go under the radar for too much longer, Ian, uh, because um, I think that um, if he can maintain this form, then he has a very good chance of a medal this year. I think, I think he is under the radar, I agree, and I think it's because there are some big names all around him that people tend to focus on. And I think a lot of people weren't expecting him to maintain that position. They possibly looked at that, that performance in the Naradovian Warsaw as a bit of a, a fluke or a one-off. But uh, by golly, he's backed that up. And I think for him, actually, it does him kind of a favour. You know, he's, he's out of the limelight. He's beginning to be interviewed a bit more. And certainly after, you know, three rostrums on the spin, I think that um, he, he, he won't be able to, to sort of duck out of the, of the limelight for too much longer. Yeah, and it's just that that first win you fancy is is evading him. You know, he's been to the finals a few times, and he just needs to get that that top step. And I think then mm. it, you know that that's it. Then he's he's achieved everything there is to achieve in a single Grand Prix, and then it's a case of kicking on and, and going for the you know the, the the silverware at the end of the season, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think he he would dearly love a Grand Prix win, but um, that will come because he keeps putting himself in the right place. You know, his time will come. Um, very unfortunate, of course, in Warsaw, but um, he has surprised us all with his consistency. And as long as he can keep keep his composure and maintain this high level, and that is not easy, half the Grand Prix series to come, uh, he needs to kick on. And if he can do that, then he's got a medal, certainly, um, a, a silver or a bronze. Can't see him getting gold, but I can see him being, uh, he has a great opportunity to really, really make a name for himself this year. And, you know, I think, you know, thinking about that original question, he sort of comes under the radar. His brother, you know, was a world champion. And Jack has always kind of been in that shadow. And he's just beginning to make his real mark at uh, international level. So uh, all credit to him, because it can't be easy that, can it, having a brother that's done it all. So, um, uh, 
yeah, yeah, I think he's uh, he's certainly maturing nicely, and he's he's looking good, looking really good. There's always that expectation of having to live up to what your brother's done in the past, but does it work both ways, Kelv? In uh, you know, you've got someone there who can be utterly honest with Jack Holder, a family member, someone who can can speak to him probably like no other member of his pit crew could possibly do, and also tap into that experience of of what is required to become a world champion. Yeah, I think that um, uh, I know personally when I was riding back in the, my long track days at Grand Prix, I'd have my brother there um, because blood is thicker than water and you need people you can trust and you, you can lean on just their sheer presence at times is of a comfort and it gives you a sense, you know, because you're alone in those meetings. You are, you haven't got a teammates to lean on. You've got to make all those decisions you make, yourself. And I think a family member in the pits, particularly one that has achieved at the highest level, has has to have been a benefit, has to have done. Um, he, actually, saying that just recently, I don't think Chris has been around so much because of his injury issues. But there's no doubt that uh, Jack must have gained an awful lot of advice and just having somebody who with you who has been through all the emotions, the roller coasters, all the different scenarios that you encounter in a Grand Prix, there's no doubt that that must have been of massive benefit to him. So he's capitalising on that. So, um, you know, yeah, yeah, that's, as I say, I, I do think that it comes down to the fact that, sure, he's got loads of experience, Chris, but also a family member in there. You can look at them and you can really trust what they're trying to say because they're, they're, they're going to be with you 100%. So that was uh, the Prague Grand Prix, then the top three being uh, Martin Vasilik, the winner, Leon Madsen second, Jack Holder third, and Bartosz Smarslik uh, in, in fourth place uh, after uh, that one in, the, in that Grand Prix but in the championship standings of course he was uh, still clear of Freddie Lindgren at that point with Jack Holder then in third going to Tetro in Germany and uh, well back on the top step was that familiar figure of Bartosz Schmarschlik after Tetro which was um, a, a track that not everybody really enjoyed uh, that sometimes is the case um, sort of every time there's a meeting really at Tetro it sort of does sometimes throw up a few quirks but <laughs> seemingly though that many of them, if I can put it lightly but but a lot of the riders that ride in Britain tend to enjoy it obviously Dan Bewley enjoyed it uh, Jason Doyle and and, um, and Jack Holder uh, also enjoyed it uh, this year as well uh, getting getting there onto the podium but um, Bartosz once again the man to beat but not without its controversy Kelvin this no, week No in truth uh, Ian that the, there were some late decisions made on Tetro there were some 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 serious concern about the track and there'd been some test um, meetings that had been actually cancelled halfway through and I know that there was like a real major effort to get that place knocked into shape before the final uh, decision was made. In actual fact, the decision was only made on race day in Prague um, to actually go to that Grand Prix. There were serious discussions about it being moved. As it transpired, the track just about behaved um, it's not a favourite venue for a lot of riders, of course, particularly riders like you, like that don't ride in the UK. I think a rider like Kim Nielsen that spent a lot of time riding in the UK, he coped with those tricky, bumpy, slightly rutty conditions extraordinarily well, and it was a highlight for him in the Grand Prix se series so far. Um, so yes, uh, not a favourite on the calendar. Uh, good weather, um, but. 
for the championship, for the neutral, possibly the worst result. Um, because Smarslick coming out on top, um, clearly overjoyed to win. First time he's won in Germany. Um, he did the business. Um, so that was, you know, fair play to him. He showed his real class on the night. I think Jason Dahl rode really good. And after having a lot of bad luck in finals, for him to finally get the 18 points and get second, I sense that that settled him down a bit. Because coming into there, actually, Dahl coming into that Grand Prix, you just looked at some of the results and you just sensed that he might have been losing his way a bit. He just sort of dipped a fraction. And I, I, get, I, I really feel that that result put him back on track um, and is what he needed. Just what the doctor ordered, really. And then another great performance from Jack Holder. Obviously battled really hard and uh, you know showed that um, consistency that you need at the highest level. Um, I think overall it, was, it wasn't a classic... Um, but uh, it went off without any serious incident. And I know that the FIM and the uh, Warner Brothers Discovery were definitely very concerned about how that meeting was going to go ahead. So I think all in all, Ian, I think um, there was a touch of relief when that meeting was completed and it was done and dusted. But uh, for Smarslick, happy days. You know, big lead coming out of there. I think it was a... It was a 12-point lead he had leaving there uh, because, obviously, Freddie Lindgren didn't go so good. Um, Bewley, obviously. Man, that was a heartbreaker, wasn't it, for Bewley on the start. And, and we've got to talk about Bewley a little bit. We've got to talk about Bewley a little bit because, obviously, he's been getting so good in the heats. Prague, he was sensational in the heats. Didn't make the final. And then, obviously, stalling on the start line in Tetero was was tough one to take. But, as I say, Smarslick showing his class and in the driving seat with his effectively riding his own back garden, you know, two weeks later in Gorgia. So um, he was looking very, very good. I think, first of all, on, on, on the Smarslick point, um, it, it shows that if he if he does inevitably win the title, which it seems is, is, is going to be uh, the way, it's going to be quite some effort for anybody to stop him at this stage, um, that he's done it on the different types of tracks. He's done it on the different venues. Um, it, it hasn't been sort of that he's only won the rounds on the Polish tracks that, that suit him. You know, he, he can say, well, I went to Tetro and I won that one as well. He, who knows? He might he might do well, say, at Cardiff this year or, or, or wherever. You know, there's a few rounds to go yet. So it shows that he's not just a, a one-trick pony and he's, he's ridden some of the more difficult tracks and still come through that. Yeah, you know, he's he's top class and he won in Melilla last year. He won in Voyans. Um, he's now won in, in uh, Tetero. He is the best rider in the world and um, arguably, arguably the best rider in the world. There might be a rider outside the Grand Prix that possibly might be challenging that, but it's a tough call. But I think that um, Bartos Marslik's one of those guys that he has that, ability to to adapt to all different types of conditions even though he hasn't ridden in the UK he's just a special rider and I think um, he can feel very satisfied with with his work and the fact that he knows he can win anywhere at any time didn't he didn't he ride one meeting for Birmingham I think that's that's the only time he's been here isn't it like when he was he when he was a youngster I, I was there are you there <laughs> and he did two heats that's and right I, I was there he did two heats and uh, then the meeting was called off. Um, so that was a fairly brief, 
British career, but it obviously paid huge dividends because he can win everywhere because we've got to take some credit somehow, that's for sure. <laughs> Were it not for those hard yards on the Perry Bar track, then would he be the success he is now? It's, uh, it's, it's a question I to mean, yeah, yeah, those two minutes, those, those hugely important two minutes of experience he gained have just set him set him up for his career. So, <laughs> so Schmarslik, as you mentioned there, Kelvin, left uh, Tetro 12 points ahead of Jack Holder in second, uh, Jason Doyle in third, and then it was Lindgren, Vasilik, Madsen, Lambert and Bewley. Talking about Dan Bewley, you've touched on it there. Um, as you say, he's been electric through the through the qualifying heats as such. But when it's come down to maybe the big moments, the not so much the semi-finals, but finals as well. Um, yes, there's been mechanical issues, but he's also seemed to have struggled just to get it over the line. You know, at the point where you've got to finish in the top two, or you've got to finish in the top three to get on the podiums. It's just sort of been evading him those those big. Um, uh, heats and as I say sometimes that's that's bad luck you you get off the line or your bike packs up you, you know there's only so much you can do about about that um but is there an element of uh, more mm. pressure you've you've got experience of these big heats where you know it comes down to it the pressure's on how does that affect you when you you know you've when you know you've got to win you know you've got to come in the top two it must add a little extra to it uh, no question about it. And, of course, you're up against three other guys that are also in good form because they wouldn't be in the semi-final if they were going poorly. So um, you cannot be blasé about those heats. You can't take, maybe, at times, liberties that you might get away with in a lesser race in the qualifying heats. And it must be extraordinarily frustrating for Dan Bewley right now, having ridden so very well over the course of several Grand Prix and not made a final. Um, that is quite incredible, and he should be right up in the top five, even in the top three, if he had nailed all those semi-finals. Um, and he's got to turn it around in the second half of the season, because I believe that Dan Bewley, uh, along with one or two others, is a, is, a, is somebody that could really take it to Smarslick. He's a gifted rider. He is hugely fast. I mean, he is one of one of the guys that can carry speed where others can't. And I just sense that um, I'd like to think that he can reflect on what's happened in the first five rounds and, and just make, just be a little bit more clinical at those times when you need to be. Maybe, you know, it's just decision making and just being a little bit more savvy when it comes to, to nailing those finals. So, um, uh, but Dan's uh, still young at Grand Prix, but um, a huge future ahead of him, but um you know, five more rounds to come. I'm sure he'll be in one or two finals coming up. Do you have? Um, I guess every rider has their own way, but ways of coping with the the, the pressure, the extra stress, or demands of of those big heats. You know, that moment when it really is on you. Did Did you have a way of of coping with those to keep yourself calm when you know you'd look around and if you actually thought about the riders you're up against, you you probably would think ah what am I doing you know and, and, and it gets too much for you whereas you need to keep cool at those moments where really it's impossible to do that yeah I think it's an individual thing I think um, experience helps I think uh, as you gain in confidence of course you believe you start to believe that you can go through to them those um, uh, latter stages of the of the event I think uh, Dan is on his own he has his two mechanics he doesn't have an advisor that I'm aware of in the pits um, maybe that might be something that would help him. He's, I don't think he's one that feels the pressure 
too much actually and I think he looks pretty relaxed most of the time and maybe you might argue that he's too relaxed um, but he's done it he won two Grand Prix last year I think he's been slightly unfortunate you know in Warsaw where he took evading action when Freddie lifted I think the stalling of the bike in Tetro well that was just one of those unfortunate things so it could have been very different and I mean it, it, it's, it's just fine details um, and I th he's a bright kid. He'll figure that out. He'll figure that out. He had um, Paco Castagna in in the pits with him at one of the Grand Prix. I think it was maybe at Prague. Uh, I noticed Paco was was in there helping him out. Paco's now injured, unfortunately, but uh, I know obviously Paco had been riding with Bellevue um, uh, once or twice, hasn't he? In the uh, in in the Premiership in in Britain. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that was anything particularly official. I think that was just <laughs> your fancy coming to the Grand Prix for a weekend away. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't sense that anything much more than that. Like, Paco's a great guy. He's a fun guy to be around. He certainly would keep the mood light. Um, but as regards as being a sort of a mentor for the weekend, I'm not sure. I think on a regular basis, there isn't somebody there. Um, I think Dan is... Pretty. I think his naivety at times helped him last year, but I think he's now a Grand Prix winner. He certainly has a reputation. He's a highly thought of rider with a huge amount of talent. I think, as I say, I think at times, I think just being a little bit more clinical, um, I, you know, where, where is he? He's in eighth with 49 points. Written it all down. I've done my homework, Ian. I've been very good. <laughs> um so yeah, it's not. It's rare. I know it's rare, but um, uh, he should be. I think he should be in the top four, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes sort of near the top four uh, at the end of the campaign. But I think he's somebody. As I say, we need somebody to take it to Smarzlik, and I think he is one of uh, a few riders that, that that potentially can do that. Well, speaking of Bartosz Smarzlik, then um, it was to his. Well, a track that uh, he would probably call home, uh, Gorzhov, for the next Grand Prix. And, well, it took him a while, but uh, he got uh, a third win on his home circuit. But there have been three other occasions where there's been uh, Grand Prix at Gorzhov where he hasn't been successful. Finally, he's got that, uh, that third crown at Gorzhov. And, of course, this year uh, he's gone from being a Gorzhov rider in Extra Liga to moving over to Lublin, so going back to his former circuit and, uh, and cleaning up. Uh, once again there he's clearly a place that's very dear to his heart he grew up there he was schooled there you know he rode for the club as a boy as a you know as a man so he must have a, a great affection for the place so um and he repaid the faith and the love um i, I just actually had a wry smile when the actual the um uh, the top man from star gorgeroff actually handed over the trophy because last year they had first, second and third club members, weren't they? They were all first, second and third from Star Gorgeroff on the rostrum, which was just a dream come true for the club. Now, all of a sudden, their top man is on top step of the podium, but he doesn't ride for him anymore. So he must have been a slightly odd scenario, that, and an odd emotion. But uh, nonetheless, um, the Polish fans just loved it, and, and they gave him a great reception. The Grand Prix itself, I think... Um, the HGP2 on the Friday, the track was wet, the, the conditions were difficult. Um, it was a good meeting, actually, the SGP2 round with Sheeniak coming through in flying colours, breaking the track record as well. Um, so congratulations to him. Um, but 
Saturday night the track was a little bit slick and overtaking was a real challenge. Um, it was nip and tuck throughout. I think there was a lot of head scratching and soul searching going on in the pits to try and find bike setup that would really work. Um, but the conclusion to the meeting was just extraordinary. Unbelievable. You know, those three attempts to get the final on the way, you know, controversy with Doyle again. I mean, he just can't avoid it. Um, obviously, him and Freddie, you know, that was tight. And, and then second time around, Madsen away, and then it's pulled up again. And then Smarslik coming through. What an overtake. That's going to be the overtake of the season. I mean, there isn't going to be something better than that. Um, and... You know, nobody could overtake after the first corner and then Smarzlik comes from the back, overtakes on the last corner and it's just an absolute grandstand finish. It was extraordinary. It was uh, it was a special race from a, from a rider that when he does that, he's just he's just the best one in the series and he leads, I think he's got, what, is it 21-point lead now? He's got one hand on the trophy, effectively, but... Fully deserved. Back-to-back Grand Prix wins. A stunning ride in Gorjov. Uh, the place went nuts. And, um, you know, good bounce back from Lindgren to get back on the rostrum. Madsen, another second place, showing strongly. Um, but Smarzlik just... He just would not be denied, would he? He just refused to get beaten in that race. And it was it was an absolute stunning, stunning performance. And it wasn't, as you mentioned, really the most stunning of Grand Prix up to that point, but really everything paid back at that moment, both for the fans and, of course, for Bartosz Smarschlik as well. And that photo of Smarschlik looking over his shoulder and, and Madsen heading up towards the fence and glancing across at Smarschlik, you know, and that's the difference, isn't it? That's the difference between world champion and, uh, well, vice world champion, as uh, as Leon Madsen would probably say, but small margins, but uh, but big effects. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't get better than that. I mean, it was such a thrilling thing. You know, you reflect on when Harris won, when he beat Hancock in in the Principality. Those sort of finishes, you know, they're just breathtaking. And um, he can do it, you know. And I think Madsen obviously was desperately disappointed. He must have believed he was going to win it. You know, going down the back straight, he must have felt he had every chance, particularly having hit the front twice. You know, he must have felt it was his night, but um, it wasn't to be. And it was, uh, I think the race in some ways sort of masked the Grand Prix a bit. It was a little bit processional. But when you get a grandstand finish like that, that's what everybody's shouting and screaming about and remembers. So um, uh, we thank Smarslip for that. Um, The championship doesn't. And obviously his competitors have got a lot of work to do. But um, um, it was a lot of work to do if they're going to peg him back. You know, effectively, you can sit around out and still win it, you know. So, um, but no, it was it was a terrific Grand Prix. Obviously, Holder didn't make the final. He found it tough. I think the slick conditions he found difficult. Um, I think Ty Wolfenden, Bewley, obviously. They, I think a lot of guys really found those slick conditions really tough to find the right balance in the bike to do it. Um, so slightly disappointing there from the British perspective, but um, as I say, Smarslick grabs all the headlines with rides like that. 
And that win took Bartos Smarslik onto 21 Speedway Grand Prix wins, and that means he's overtaken uh, Tony Ricardson in that final bend as well. Even though he wasn't on the track, um, he uh, gets into third place in the all-time list of Speedway Grand Prix winners. Um, level with Greg Hancock, there's only Jason Crump and Thomas Golub uh, ahead of him, and uh, the number to beat there is is 23, so he's closing in. You, you fancy that... That Bartosz Smarczyk's probably going to win another two or three Grand Prix in his in his career, and and really take his his claim as being the the all time uh, leader of, of of Grand Prix wins. I thought you were going to say that he's going to win another two or three World Championships, um, and I wouldn't have disagreed. With you. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I can't <laughs> I can't imagine he's not going to win another two or three Grand Prix. I feel even 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 I would be fairly secure in that bet. But uh, it just shows that you know we are looking here. People will think of Tony Ricardson, of course they will, uh, and and the other great riders that have gone before. But here, Bartosz Schmarschlik still got a long way to go in his career. All being well, fingers crossed, of course. And we are looking at possibly the greatest Grand Prix rider of all time here, even though he hasn't got the titles yet to match the likes of, God, of uh, Ricardson. No, and I don't think you're overstating it. I do believe that he has the potential to break all the records. And um, he, when you see how hungry and determination is just oozing from every pore, he just performs at a level with three championships already in the bank. He's well on his way to a fourth one in five years. Um, he's 28 years of age, he's super fit, he loves it, he's got a really cool team around him which is family orientated. I don't see any reason why he would lose, suddenly lose his momentum and lose his motivation. I'd like to see somebody come up through the ranks and have a real good go at him and give him a run for his money. We saw it in 21 with Laguta and he came second best that year, but the Speedway was stunning throughout the, the Grand Prix campaign. But... Right now, with the with the scenario he's got, he can only win the meetings and beat the riders he's put that are there. Um, and there's every chance that he'll overhaul most of these stats. He's going to he's going to make he's going to create new records. Definitely, he has the potential to do it all. So um, next up, it's Melilla with Bartosz Smarszak leading the championship on 90 points. As you say, 21 points ahead of Jack Holder, who's on 69. Freddie Lindgren on 68, as is Jason Doyle. So very tight between the top four, in fact, the top five, uh, with Leon Madsen on 60 points. So the the, the silver and bronze medals are, are definitely up for negotiation, if not the gold. Um, Melilla next up, and that's another big weekend because you've got the um, SGP3 final taking place there which is the 250cc under 16 year olds um, they're racing in that championship on the Friday and um, also the first ever uh, SGP4 event which is uh, the brand new Youth World Cup uh, and that's going to be staged on the training track um, at, uh, at Melilla so um, that's the thing that's led by Tony Ricardson of course this new bike it's a 190cc engine and, and a way hopefully an affordable way for, for kids to, to get into the sport and, and start their journey uh, to greatness yeah absolutely funny enough when I was in Warsaw I had a long chat with Tony Ricardson about, about the SGP4 bikes and, and what it was all about and how they'd come to the package and the costs and, and I think he's, by and large I think he's done a really good job I think uh, I do hope that there's a, an uptake on it and it and it gets people gets new people coming into the sport which we very much need um, I think it rides like a speedway bike it sounds like a speedway bike 
and I, I hope that the event goes well on the junior track. It's quite a small track, but they don't need a big track, those, those smaller bikes. And I think it could be a great way to introduce people to, to the sport, where mums and dads can go and buy a bike. It's complete, it's ready, and off they go. And it should be reasonably straightforward for them to get themselves into the sport. So I think it's a great uh, initiative. Um, and let's hope that in the course of time that, that, that all the major speedway nations pick it up and they can create the environment for, for youngsters to get, uh, to get going. Obviously, the UK is tough because we don't have many tracks, but um, nonetheless, you know, if it starts taking off in Scandinavia and Poland and elsewhere and America and all sorts of places, then they've got a bike now that uh, is ideal for, for, for youngsters to get going. This is sometimes the thing with Speedway as a whole. It's not a sport where you can just go down your local bike shop and say, can I have a Speedway bike, please? You need to know how to look after it, how to operate it. Um, and, and, of course, these are not bikes that can be used anywhere. They have to be used on a Speedway track. Uh, so here is a you know potential option where everything comes as a package and uh, you can go down and you can get involved because often Speedway is limited to... Yeah, you know, people who know yeah. somebody already in the sport, people who know somebody who's already a mechanic or a rider, and and they get the knowledge that way. It's not something you can just pick up uh, overnight, really, and, and and take a bike home and get cracking. No, so from that perspective, you've nailed it there. You know, um, it, it's an opportunity for the first time ever where you can just go and buy the buy the bike uh, and get going, and you don't have to have too much knowledge about a motorbike to be able to do that. So. Um, yeah, as I say, let's hope it's successful and I think it'll take a little bit of time to get underway, but um, if the countries take it up, then let's hope with the figurehead that is Tony Ricards and a six-time world champion behind it, I think that gives it great credibility and I know that he's worked very hard at it and I'm, I know that he's passionate about trying to make it work. He'll be there in Melilla, he'll be very much in attendance and making sure that things go to plan. So let's hope that's a really successful uh, event, you know. Um, talking about Melilla, I'm going to change tack slightly here. Uh, that SGP3 meeting on the Friday. Last year in Rotswev, I wasn't really sure if I was going to enjoy it. Um, and I thought it might look a bit slow and I thought there might be the riders drawn right out. But I was actually pleasantly surprised. And I, I think uh, as a world final, effectively, you know, one-off chance to be the world champion on the day. It was real dramatic stuff. And I'd like to think that we'll get something very similar once again in Melilla. You know, good track. If the weather behaves, racing should be good, really good. Uh, we do have British interest uh, in SGP3 and SGP4 as well. Um, certainly SGP4, Oliver Bovington is riding in that one. And this takes place on the Saturday afternoon before the Grand Prix. But it's on the training track. And as we mentioned, this is on the Tony Ricardson bikes. And then, um, well, fingers crossed, we could have two British riders in SGP3. There's a qualifier on Wednesday. Um, Cooper Russian and William Cairns are taking part and these are two of the real upcoming youngsters in the 250cc category of uh, British Speedway at the moment coming through the Youth Championships uh, William Cairns is a rider who spent the winter um, learning with Greg Hancock went over to California and had uh, some coaching with him there but Cooper Russian also a bright star so it is a big week for those two lads and the very best of luck to them they're taking part in the qualifier on Wednesday in Vastavik and uh, if it get into the top eight of the two semi-finals 
Um, and Cooper and William are in the separate semi-finals, so uh, they may meet each other in the SGP3 final, which takes place on uh, Friday at Melilla on the full Grand Prix track there. Um, but hugely competitive, the 250cc category. It's a, a, a look ahead into the future 10 or 15 years from now to the stars there, and great that we have some, some upcoming British talent doing really well at the 250cc level. Obviously, um, that's encouraging um, because at under-21 level, the pole poles completely dominate. But it will be very interesting to see, uh, once you get to know these riders and you get to know their names, just to keep a, a watching brief to see how they progress and how they make their way through the ranks, you know. Um, and I'm sure um, the, uh, there's no doubt that the international governing bodies will be very keen for, to generate the next generation of riders, particularly in places like Sweden. You know, they, they need a, a new star coming through. So, yeah, I'd like to think that that will will help immensely. Yeah, well, we're keeping an eye out for our uh, British uh, riders there. Oliver Bovington in SGP4 and then Cooper Russian and William Cairns in the semi-finals for SGP3, uh, aiming to be part of the uh, full SGP3 at Melilla on Friday. That's the 14th of July. I'm Ian Brannan. Alongside me is Kelvin Tatum, British Speedway legend. And this is Tatum Talks, supported by Maitland Travel Speedway Holidays. We're very pleased to have them on board. And if you head to maitlandtravel.co.uk, you can see a wide range of different speedway trips that they have uh, around the world, both in Speedway Grand Prix, also the Australian Championships, the Speedway World Cup, long track, ice speedway, all covered. Uh, a range of different options available for you the, for these trips as well. And uh, just to spotlight one trip, the Latvian SGP, which uh, is taking place in August, the 11th of August to the 14th of August. Um, it's the first time that there has been uh, a Latvian Speedway Grand Prix in the city of Riga. And you can be there, a wonderful place to visit. There's so many things you can do. And it's actually uh, a four-day trip and uh, you d- depart Stansted. You can go from other airports, depending on whereabouts you are as well. And it's up to you uh, how much you add on to this. Um, The actual tickets for the Grand Prix are not included in the overall price, but Maitland Travel can sort you out with the tickets if you don't already have them. So uh, that's how it works. So this is an escorted trip. You can add on additional things like uh, optional walking tours of Riga, uh, like, for example, potentially heading off to see even more Speedway at Daugapils if there is uh, any Speedway happening on the uh, Saturday, the Sunday afternoon, I should say. And, of course, you've got the main event heading off to the Grand Prix and making sure that you get delivered uh, to the stadium in time for the Latvian Speedway Grand Prix. Now, you can find out all the information about what this all includes at Maitland Travel travel.co.uk there's different hotel options as i say it's up to you whether you want to build in a walking tour of uh, of riga to uh, check out the uh, sights and sounds with a local guide or whether you just want to dabble in the local hostelries and maybe taste uh, the occasional beer or maybe 
the uh, local black balsam, which is apparently the city's favourite drink. I can't imagine for a minute that uh, a single drop has passed your lips when you've been on trips to Riga, Kelvin. I may have tasted a beer or two there. No. Um, (laughs) I do seem to remember staggering around around the city centre at some ungodly hour with Nigel Pearson and Chris Louie many years ago. And this is incredible. We were playing archery at midnight in the middle of Riga in the middle of the city. It was a most bizarre scenario. (laughs) Um, And I do believe I came out on top, which was more luck than judgment. But we did have a tremendous amount of fun. And I think it's something that... um, People will enjoy, you know, because it's a it's a fun place to go and it's a vibrant place and there's a sense of history there. So yeah, yeah, I would, uh, I would, uh, as I say, I echo your thoughts. It's it's really cool to have a a sponsor on board and and um, it does make life so much easier, you know. To mean if you're a little bit naive where you're going to somewhere new and you've got people that can help you out where to go and what to do and advise. So um, that makes life just makes it just that much more comfortable when you're away. Have you uh, sampled the black balsam, the, the 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 local drink of choice? Is is that something that you're familiar with on your trips to uh, to Latvia? <laughs> I suspect we may have been that drunk that if I had it, I cannot remember. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> great days! <laughs> but we certainly were, we certainly enjoyed ourselves immensely, and we had a we had a really smashing time. Um, but obviously, we used to go to Dalgapils, which was three hours away, which was very different indeed. So actually having the, the Grand Prix in the capital city is, is a major bonus. And I think for, for supporters and fans of the Grand Prix, I think it'll be uh, well worth uh, visiting. But very much so. It's a nice place. There's a range of escorted and self-drive speedway holidays available at maitlandtravel.co.uk. The trip to Latvia is just one of them. The Speedway World Cup is coming up very soon as well in Roslav. If you've not made any plans for that yet, then uh, there's also information on the website about how you could uh, go to that. What about the Czech Golden Helmet? That's uh, always a fun event, one to look ahead to later in the season. Uh, There's also the 2024 Australian Speedway Championships. That is a holiday of a lifetime if you're looking to go to that then information about how you can head there um and uh, also uh, for something a little bit different the long track gp which is at mormond something different but something that you're familiar with as well there uh, kelvin in uh, the south of france speedway a bit of wine tasting included perhaps um sounds like a great weekend yeah, there's a variety of trips there, which is exciting. Marmond is a, is, a, is a one-off type of venue. It's on Bastille Day. It's run late at night. It's a, a real celebration. People don't have to go to work uh, the next day. I can remember being very fortunate enough to win there several times, being sat in a tent after the meeting at 3.30 in the morning, morning drinking some pretty dodgy red wine with some pretty dodgy fit, um, chicken and chips. Um, but... Uh, it's a really, it's a really exciting venue. Uh, I mean, the, the, you're right up, up close. Uh, if you haven't been, it's well worth going. It's a real, it's a real. The speed round there and the sense of uh, excitement is terrific. Um, World Cup obviously speaks for itself. In Wrocław is a smashing town, brilliant stadium. So, I think there are two extra trips there that um, take your pick. If you want something a little bit out of left field, go to Marmont because it, it's a, it's a real experience. Um, the environment, the time of year, and because it's their 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 traditional holiday, I think that makes it 
a little bit special. And of course, being in Wroclaw, um, it's a super town, and the Olympic Stadium there is is lovely. It's lovely. So yeah, two two big events well worth um, uh, getting involved with. Okay, MaitlandTravel.co.uk for all the info on those and other Speedway holidays. And uh, we wish you uh, a great journey wherever it is that you uh, decide to go. Um, Let's just talk about uh, the British Premiership. Uh, to round things off, Kelv, because you've seen a few meetings there now with with Eurosport. You've you've been busy. You've been pretty much everywhere. I think over the course of the last uh, few weeks or so, you've certainly seen all of the teams now. Um, the Bellevue Aces lead the way at the moment. Uh, most recently, at the time of recording this, though, uh, a crucial win uh, and a big win at the National Speedway Stadium, where they defeated the Wolverhampton Wolves, who were their nearest challengers up to now. And and now, even though they've ridden more meetings. Uh, um, even taking the, those meetings into account the, the, in hand that the teams below them have, that you fancy Bellevue are going to emerge with a, a fairly healthy lead once those meetings are caught up on. Yeah, they're looking good. <laughs> I actually uh, had to sort of like a bit eat a bit of humble pie when I saw Mark Lemon at Peterborough the other day because I didn't think they were as strong as they were last year. Um, and the form of Jarman Lidsey in the middle of the team has really been a revelation. He started poorly without confidence, but uh, he is now rock solid and doing very well for him. Obviously, you've got Brady Kurtz and Bewley piling up the points and Charles Wright going along nicely. Yeah, they're looking, Tom Brenner, they're looking very solid. Um, they've picked up valuable points on the road. Um, they won pretty comfortably last night. Um, I saw them uh, at Peterborough where Peterborough put up a good fight, but Bellevue just back end of the meeting just proved to be too strong. So... The champions are looking like champions right now. They've won the pairs recently at Leicester. So, um, yeah, things are going very well for Mark Lemon and his team. And fair play to them. You know, they are fully deserved to be at uh, the top of the, uh, the league table. The only team that could possibly overhaul Bellevue when they um, race their five matches that they're behind Bellevue at the moment are the Leicester Lions, who are currently on 20 points. Now, it's obviously going to be close uh, at the top there by the time Bellevue uh, race their fixtures as well. Um, but Leicester... Maybe I'm not sure if they are the surprise package. I think many people probably fancied that this was maybe going to come under Stuart Dixon with the side that they built. But still, there's a big difference between saying you're going to do it and actually doing it. And they have really shown themselves to be to be uh, top contenders now this year in the Premiership. Yes, um, when I heard that Leicester were coming into the team, and I spoke to Damien Bates, the the co-promoter there, I was concerned about what sort of team they would be able to build. He said, don't worry, we're going to have a decent outfit. Uh, he was true to his word. Um, and I think they've overachieved. I think I think Stuart Dixon, he might not want to admit it, but I think that he is chuffed to bits with the way the team are performing. Um, they've gelled well. They've got experience in the middle order with Lawson and Harris. And now that Frick is scoring plenty of points for them, that is a huge bonus. I think Justin Sedgman, you could argue that Justin Sedgman at times has never ridden better in the UK. Um, so they have got a really good, a solid looking outfit. And all of a sudden, their form has put a lot of pressure on Sheffield and Wolverhampton and Ipswich. No doubt about it. Because I think, I think, in my opinion, that they may have been underestimated a little bit, Leicester, as the new boys, as the rookies. And they have shown great determination 
and they've won on the road, they're winning at home. Um, yeah, they're, they're looking very solid. So I think that, um, I think it's certainly a surprise to a few people, but they're there on merit, aren't they, And They're doing the business and they're picking up valuable points and picking up, and they're, they're, they're a good-looking team. They're a really good-looking team. The battle to watch out for is that battle for the last uh, playoff place, and it's being contested between the Sheffield Tigers and the Ipswich Witches. And, and the day that we're putting this out um, is the day that you're heading off to Ollerton because uh, Sheffield taking on Ipswich. It's a crucial clash. Um, and really, for these two sides, Sheffield currently with the advantage. Ipswich have not really had it plain sailing this season, have they? They've had this problem with, with Eric Riss that perhaps has cost them. Uh, also, not every rider has been fully on form, whilst Jason Doyle and Emil. Saifutinov have been uh, electric everywhere else the, the rest of the side have not always delivered the points they'd be hoping for Absolutely and um, obviously I come into contact with Chris Louie on a regular basis um, he, you know I, I just think that when I look at that team I'm just thinking well why are they fifth um, but they've had some issues you could say that the issue with Eric Riss has been a problem that has definitely been a problem um, his health, you know, no fault of anybody's, but his health has, has created a hole in the team that they struggled to cover for. They lost Jack Thomas before they even started. So I think that even with the form, I think they can do it. And I think a lot of people fancied them to go all the way this year, but it hasn't transpired. And they're going to have to work very hard. They're going to have to have Saifutinov and Doyle going great guns and they need Danny King they need Danny King to be really strong as well. If they can keep those three piling in the points, Keenan Rue is a rider that is going in the right direction. And I think that, you know, Daniel Hume is a real trier. He's, he's certainly um, uh, totally committed to the cause. But it's not going to be easy. Now, they've slipped, slipped behind. They may need Sheffield to slip up as well but they just need to focus on winning now. They've got to get the, the team clicking. And if they can get Eric Risk going, I think they've got, they've got a chance. And it's your first trip to Ollerton uh, on Eurosport and Discovery Plus on Monday night. And I say it's a big one for obvious reasons for the, for the, for the playoff uh, connotations. And uh, the Sheffield Tigers, of course, got to the grand final last season and looking to go one better this year. Uh, we've seen Sheffield a couple of times when they were at Leicester and then at Ipswich. Both times they got beaten, but they seem, apart from when like Leicester beat Sheffield at Sheffield, which was a stunning result, um, and that would have stung Simon Stead. He would not have enjoyed that at all. Um, but, um, yeah, well, I'm looking forward to going back to Sheffield. Good track, fast track, uh, exciting speedway there generally. And they're up against the Ipswich Witches, so it's a great clash, and it's got a lot riding on it. It was... You know, um, when I reflect on the meeting Ipswich at home against Sheffield, that was a vital win for the Witches. But now we've got the return leg. So the aggregate points up for grabs as well, I believe. I'm going out on a bit of a limb there. I'm hoping I'm right. But I think the aggregate's up for, for grabs. Um, and it's two teams that are fighting for their lives to, to make sure they secure a top four spot. So it should be an exciting night. 
At the other end of the table, of course, we've got problems with a couple of teams, Peterborough and Kings Lynn, um, both having a bit of a pause in their proceedings at the moment because of ongoing situations. Uh, firstly, Peterborough with the lack of a promoter. Kings Lynn, um, well, financial situations uh, are being addressed and obviously there's been changes at the top. Buster has stepped in to uh, retake command. Um, they've had uh, Dave Hoggart in now as the team manager. Artem Laguta is still part of the team, but you wonder how much longer for. And uh, really, for, for Kings Lynn fans, the the, the punches keep coming. You know, they, they set out with, with the best intentions to, to not have a, a season of, of, of stresses and hassles, and it's really not turned out that way. Not ideal. Not ideal at all. I think that it's been a roller coaster at Kings Lynn. Obviously, Keith Chapman having to come back in after Alex Brady stepping down. Dale Allett is unwell. Um, that's far from ideal. Um, clearly, Keith Chapman probably wasn't aware of the negotiations and contracts that had been agreed because effectively it was not his um, team. Um, Alex and Dale were running the team. And they're struggling. You know, they're struggling. And I think that... It's from Laguta's point of view. I think I think he's probably done a, a terrific contract where he's paid handsomely. But when your team's not doing so well and the turnstiles aren't clicking as well, I think economics. Possibly Keith is looking at that. Keith Chapman is looking at that, thinking, can we really afford him? I don't know that, but you don't have to be Einstein to kind of put those two and two together. Uh, what I will say about Laguta is that when he's been here after one dodgy meeting, he's been pretty solid. He scored plenty of points, um, showed his class. Is he in love with British Speedway? Probably not. Not like Saifutinov. Not the same. Not the same. But still, nonetheless, um, it was an eye-catching move. Did they overextend themselves? Maybe. 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 And it will be sad if he doesn't finish the fixtures for them. But it's been a tough time for both Peterborough and Kings Lynn. Really tough times. Yeah, Peterborough with, uh, well, promoter problems at the moment with Carl Johnson um, stepping down. And of course, those ongoing issues with the land at uh, the east of England show, uh, showground, which um, is, is due to be built on uh, in the coming years. Um, similar problems too for Wolves, who, well, their battle continues. Um, I think, well, I don't know. The, Chris Van Stratton seemed to be talking more positively the last time I heard him on Eurosport. Um, saying about the, the work that's going on behind the scenes to try and arrange um, somewhere else to build a new track and to potentially go back and get some more time at Monmore while that is sorted out. But, um, you know, these are questions that, that need answering. But we hope that these clubs, of course, can, can, can continue and in, in some form or another um, and, and, of course, always add clubs to it. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed that that is very much the case. Uh, Chris Van Stratton... You know, he spoke to me about it and saying that he had identified an area where uh, there was a possibility. Um, so I very much hope that they can do it because we can ill afford to keep losing clubs. We've lost too many in the recent times. So, you know, uh, Wolverhampton, um, it has a rich history. It's, uh, um, you know, it's one of the best teams in the league and to lose them, would be a hammer blow. So uh, let's keep our fingers crossed. And if they can run for one more year at Monmore while the new stadium's being readied, then 
that would be the ideal scenario. Regarding Peter, uh, Peterborough and the East of England arena, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is there, whether they can be relocated or whether it will roll on for another year, I don't know. But certainly there is uncertainty about the Peterborough Panthers right now. Um, so, as I say, from my perspective, I'm not privy to all the goings-on. I just don't want to see clubs closing. Simple as that, because we want to keep um, a healthy league if we can. I know it's not a premiership side anymore, but uh, the Pool Pirates uh, have uh, had uh, their future confirmed for next season, 2024. They will be running, according to Matt Ford. Um, I know work is going on and they're hopeful that many more years can be announced in, in due course as well. And as I say, it's not a place that you visit, um, particularly at the moment, Kelvin, but you've seen some big moments in British Speedway over the years down at Wimborne Road. Well, yeah, and it had such a sustained period of success with the, some of the best riders in the world there. You know, uh, I remember when Chris Holder and Darcy Wall were riding together, you know, in their heyday. It was just fabulous, you know, and Matt Ford built teams that fans could really, really get excited about. You know, Lee Adams, Jason Crump, Tony Ricardson, um, to name just a few, Chris Holder, Darcy Ward. You know, those guys were pretty special and, you know, it was, they won leagues, they they dominated the, the Premiership for some considerable time. Probably the most exciting and most successful team in that era. Um... It's a shame they're in the championship from my perspective. Um, it really is because they, they're a team that would be welcomed, I'm sure, back into the uh, the premiership. But uh, good to hear they're running on. Obviously, the, the stadium is uh, is obviously not young. Um, it's right in town, so there must be <clears throat> temptations to redevelop. But um, the longer they can keep going, the better. Well, they're on course for winning every single bit of silverware on offer since they moved to the championship level, that's for sure. But uh, we'll keep an eye on the Pool Pirates situation. Uh, next for us, Kelv, are we talking the World Cup? Yeah, we can do something on the World Cup. I fancy that. I think uh, with the format of the Speedway World Cup being reintroduced, it's in Poland. They're the hosts. I don't think they're clear favourites. They've got a few issues with form of riders. I think we've got plenty to get our teeth into there, and I think it'll be worthwhile getting back together. I think it'll be good. It'll be be well. Um, I'm sure it'll be a lot of interest uh, moving into that because I think Britain, I think Australia, Denmark, I think they've all those countries. I think it's wide open, Ian, this year. It's wide open. All right. Well, we'll do something just before the Speedway World Cup. I have um, had a word with Ollie Allen, the uh, Great Britain uh, joint team manager, to uh, see if he'll come on and. Uh, he says he will, so that's good, and uh, we can we can chat about GB's chances and, and and look ahead to the Speedway World Cup at Roslav, which you know it should be um, it should be an interesting venue because of course the with, in terms of the GB team at Ty Woffenden and Dan Bewley, Roslav is is their home circuit in extra league. Of course, many riders have a lot of experience riding this track, uh, but uh, certainly for for Woffie and Bewley, it's their home track. They're riding it week in week out. Yeah, exactly, and I think you can you. Can can use that example for all the riders. Max Frick used to ride there. There's lots of guys that have been at Wroclaw. They ride in the extra league. They're comfortable in that environment. So it's going to be a level playing field. Madsen, all those guys, Mickelson, Thompson, they all know it inside out. So I think it'll be really exciting stuff. And a, a sense with Matzey Janowski, Patrick Dudek not going well. I think Rafael Dubrocki, the team manager, he's got some big calls to make. 
going into that. It'll be interesting to see what lineup it goes with. But uh, nonetheless, I, I'm, I'm, it's a it's a smashing place. It's a super stadium. I think it'll be. I think it'll be uh, proper speedway there. I think it really all week. I think it'll be really good. A week of speedway out of the top draw, Kelv. Out of the top draw, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> there you are. You heard it from the man himself. Well, thanks a lot, Kelvin. And we'll speak to you then as we get ready for the Speedway World Cup later on in July. Thanks to you as well for listening. And once again, thanks to our sponsor in this episode, Maitland Travel Speedway Holidays. For more details about all of their Speedway holidays, including the one we discussed at Riga, head to maitlandtravel.co.uk. Take a look for yourself and uh, maybe they can help get you to a Grand Prix of your choice. They'll be back with us in the next episode where we'll be spotlighting trips to Torren and how you can get there. So uh, that's uh, in our next episode, which will be out uh, in just in time for the Speedway World Cup. Thanks for listening and don't forget to spread the word, share it far and wide, give us a review and a rating on your podcast app of choice and we'll be back with you for another episode of Tatum Talks very soon. Take care and enjoy your Speedway. Thank you.